Coming up on today's show, Steve Wise, Jason Robbins, Jonathan McIntosh, and I continue our discussion on the Star Wars franchise with the often polarizing prequel trilogy, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Among the things we talk about are initial excitement for The Phantom Menace when it was announced back in the late 90s, the negative and surprisingly positive aspects of Attack of the Clones. It's personally my least favorite movie of the entire franchise, but as you'll hear, there are some good things about it. And we also discuss why Revenge of the Sith ultimately didn't have the emotional impact that it should have. All of that and more on today's special episode of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, which starts right now. So the prequels, they're they're announced. The Phantom Menace comes out summer of 1999. I remember going to see it with my mom, my uncle, my aunt, and my cousin at the old University Mall Theater. And when I was, let's see, that was 99, so I would have been 12 at the time. And I remember enjoying it. Like, I didn't hate it like most people do now. But even then, I was like, this, it's different, but not entirely in a bad way. I mean, I remember loving Darth Maul. Like, Darth Maul is still one of my favorite Star Wars characters of all time, and I was so angry when they killed him off at the end. Yeah, I was confused. About that. (laughs) Until until they brought him back in Clone Wars. So, you guys being older than I am, what were your guys' initial thoughts when the prequels were announced? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, I was 27, and it was my very first midnight screening. Uh, I was with my best friend from college, and we actually had somebody, we paid somebody to stand in line so you know we would make sure we had our tickets. And it was at uh, one of New Orleans' first major, it was, I think, 20 screen multiplex. And I was never more jazzed about a film premiering than that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, we had the buildup, we had, you know, little tidbits of the music, Duel of the Fates. Uh, I think. If I'm not mistaken, they were still releasing the scores slightly ahead of the actual release. Yes, and they did. I was actually working so, at the, uh, the, the music the CD shop, the local music store, when that came out. And I got spoiled on the ending of that movie. Yes, that's right. Because of the, <laughs> it said Qui-Gon's Fate or something yes, like that. Yes, it did, yeah. And we're like, what? So, and, and I kind of... Going into it, I was like, if Liam Neeson is going to be one of the main Jedi through the next trilogy, sign me up. But, you know, that kind Little of... Little did you know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I was... I mean, I wore a Star Wars t-shirt. I was probably the most geeked out I could be at 27, waiting in line at midnight just for that. And that is the first film I also saw about five or six times in the theater. 
I fell asleep in the last time I went to see it because <laughs> there was something going on on Naboo that was just like, okay, wake me up when the action starts. But Wake me up when Darth Maul shows up. <laughs> but yeah, th- that was another one of those we'll never forget moments. Well, talking about before the movie came out, the trailer. That, just the trailer alone... Because at this point, I, you know, of course, they had the special editions that came out. It's like, cool, we get to see Star Wars again in the movie theater. Yay. And, and new material. Yay. But to actually have a, a brand new Star Wars movie. And not only that, but it wasn't another sequel. It was exactly what Lucas had said he was going to do, do the first trilogy. And, oh, man, I was so excited. But when that trailer dropped, and of course, the Internet was around but it wasn't like it is now. And um, now there was a trailer site, but you had to go to the to the theater to see trailers for for the longest time before before it hit the internet. And they actually had they were advertising that the trailer was attached to Meet Joe Black, <laughs> and they played it before the movie and after the movie. Wow! And so people would buy a ticket to see meet Joe black just to see the star Wars trailer and then sit through that three hour death scene to watch the trailer a second time, a two minute trailer. So yeah, they, they were smart in marketing because like, yeah, nobody's going to see this movie. Well, now they will. <laughs> but yeah, I also remember hearing people just going to buy the ticket for the trailer and then getting up and leaving. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. So they missed it. Missed watching it the second time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but yeah, um, but when the movie came out, it was I saw it at midnight screening at the AMC Theater in downtown Disney, which is now Disney Springs um, in Orlando, and that was kind of a tradition for midnight screenings because you know now the whole idea of midnight screenings is kind of you know non-existent because they release we have Thursday the at seven p.m. <laughs> exactly, which kind of takes the fun out of it, you know, yeah. to, to plan to get there at 11 p.m. to stand in line for an hour or earlier and to be standing in line there for that midnight showing and be the very first to see this movie at, you know, because they couldn't release the movie at 11 o'clock because it was technically the day before the official release date. And then they started fudging on that. And then, uh, yeah, so <laughs> it doesn't really matter. But, um, but yeah, it was magical. I, I ended up seeing um, Phantom Menace three times in the theater and and loving it each time. You know, I, by the third time, I think I was kind of starting to think, yeah, I don't know if this is really a good movie. <laughs> but, That's the exact same thing that happened to me. First time I saw it, I was so amped up for that movie. I went to the midnight premiere, saw it. You know, it ends with the Darth Maul fight. And I was just like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Went back to see it again started to notice all the little cracks i'm like okay oh, all right okay I, you know it's still great this... third time i saw it i was like really starting to be like you know what i don't know if i like this as much as i <laughs> so the midichlorians to. finally worm their way into well the thing is that you know the first time you're introduced to things like midichlorians or you know the little anakin and yippee and are you an angel and all those wonderful lines of dialogue <laughs> um well, you hear all the deep space pirates talk about that. <laughs> yeah. 
it, it's one of those things where, okay, you're kind of going along with it because it's Star Wars and, you know, you don't know what to expect yet. And, and the, the fact is that just the visuals alone in that movie were so amazing. And I mean, I was just breath, you know, breathless watching it because mm-hmm. it, it it's just it was phenomenal. That just visually, it was a fantastic movie, and it still is. It has but, my favorite lightsaber battle of all time. Oh yeah, the lightsaber oh. battles. I mean, there's some really good. That's scenes hard to in, top. The yeah. pod racing scene. Yeah, yeah pod, pod racing, racing was scene, great, uh, except for you know like the two headed announcer that was kind of goofy. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, there were. It was made for 10-year-olds, and it had that 10-year-old sense of humor about it. Like I said, George Lucas should not be attempting to write comedy, (laughs) and there are too many dumb, juvenile jokes in it. And, I mean, which is the least of the the problems with that movie. But things like that, it's like, okay, I'm just going to gloss over it because you're so overwhelmed by the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But after you're... After you get past that, all the glitz, and get down to the heart of the story, yeah, there's, there's some major problems with that. Thing. Are we really skipping over Jar Jar? I mean, come on. Well, that's uh, pretty I was much. Kind of hoping we could get away without. It's <laughs> one of the major problems. Jar Jar. Yeah. You know better than that, Jason. <laughs> uh, no, uh, that was that was also um, a first for me because the, the toy line mm-hmm. was you know they were really marketing that sucker. And I remember going to Toys R Us at midnight the night that they dropped the toys. I, w- I mean, I wasn't first in line, but I could definitely tell that I was 30 minutes too late <laughs> because all of the Darth Mauls, yeah. every single one gone. And, you know, it wasn't where like it is now where they only give you like one or two good ones with all the, you know, 50 peg warmers that aren't going to sell. You know, uh, and I I spent way more money on Phantom Menace toys than I should have. <laughs> you know, speaking of Darth Maul, I feel like every trilogy has that character who's not really around that long, but everyone loves. Yeah. You know, the prequels have Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. The original have Boba Fett. And I would say even in the sequel trilogy, they have Captain Phasma. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people really like her, and then she turned out to not really do anything i I, I don't know (laughs) well i don't know if that's part of the reason that people like them so much is because they're just so little and what they do is i think the character design is cool you know just when you look at them just just the image of them they look cool well even that oh man i can't wait to see what this character does and then you know they do nothing well one of the cooler moments in phantom menace is when darth sidious is you know in hologram talking with the trade federation mm-hmm. and you see the hologram darth maul just walk yeah. up and cross his arms this is my apprentice darth maul because you talked with me about character entrances for mm-hmm. films that was a great character entrance because oh, he just yeah. you just see his face and it's all tatted up and everything and i'm like this guy's awesome mm-hmm. yeah. i want to be just like him <laughs> Well, I think, you know, people always make fun of Boba Fett, too, but a lot of the Boba Fett love, I think, came also from the extended universe stuff. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he had a That's really true. good, uh, <clears throat> like, comic book run. He had a lot, there was a lot of novels. Uh, he was a, a big part of um, Shadows of the Empire, mm-hmm. which should still be canon, which angers me that it's not. <laughs> But, I, you know, I, I think Boba Fett was a great character until he was ruined in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. 
Well, I mean, could you really say he was ruined because he was just a kid yeah, at that I don't, point? I don't think he was ruined in that film. I mean, I mean you uh, see him get scarred. He's the least scarred. of the problems in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, no. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of Attack of the Clones at all. That's my least favorite Star Wars movie. And probably the one that I, I could go the rest of my life and never see again and be totally okay with okay, that. Let me, okay, here, here's, a, here's a question. You know how everybody's always talking about the order in which you should see mm-hmm. the movies. Right. You know, are you going to totally eliminate Phantom Menace or are you going to watch it? I'm of the the group that... It's there. And okay, you might not like Jar Jar. You might not like little Anakin. Little Annie. <laughs> little Annie. <laughs> but overall, I mean, just for the Obi-Wan stuff, just for the pod racing scene, just for that epic battle at the end, there are really, really good moments sprinkled in there. Yeah, okay, so the script is very clunky. But the visuals, oh my God. Yeah. So, and, and, and the same thing goes with Attack of the Clones. If you strip the horrible love story. Some know. of the worst acting I've seen. <laughs> Some of the worst writing I've heard. That's true. Well, the thing I, I, you know, about the prequels is, is, is there, like you said, there's, there's great moments in there. There's great visuals. It's kind of like having a really good chocolate cake, but there's cat hair all over it. <laughs> you say that like you're speaking from experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, with me, Attack of the Clones is actually, of the prequels, my favorite. Really? Yeah. And the reasons, and, and this is despite the horrible um, romance, but I like the fact that it's a mystery, mm-hmm. you know, because the whole thing is, what is the plot? What mm-hmm. is going on here? And, and uh, I'm sorry, Obi-Wan has his whole storyline, you know, on, on uh, whatever the planet is, and where he's tra- he discovers the clones and that whole, you know, subterfuge. With, with Phantom Menace, okay, what does that mean? You know, what does the title actually mean? Oh yeah, okay. Well, here's Darth Sidious, who's actually Palpatine. We know that, you know. We we've watched the original trilogy. We know who he is. But it, so it's kind of interesting that all right, he is this evil person, and he has this political maneuverings. But Attack of the Clones is actually where we see his plot in action, mm-hmm. and that he is starting a war, and he's operating both sides. So he's operating one as one persona and the other as another persona. And, you know, the origin of of the clones. I didn't, I thought it was a little bit convenient that, oh, Boba Fett is a clone of Django and Django is the person that they cloned all the early troopers off of. Yeah, okay, it didn't have to be that way, but it didn't turn me off. I mean, it was like, okay, well, that's fine. It's, it's kind of an interesting twist to, to that yeah. character. Um, and the battle at the end, the act three, that battle is epic. Yep. Yeah. And, and also the, the scene that everybody seems to forget is when um, the three main characters are tied up in the arena 
and the wonderful Ray Harryhausen tribute <laughs> with the, the monsters that are chasing them and they're fighting. I well, love that scene. That was just wonderful because it was just purely, we're just going to do Ray, Ray Harryhausen and that's it. Yeah. And then, of course, you had uh, Christopher Lee show yes, up. Count Dooku, yeah. Yeah. And then you can't forget Yoda in his first on screen <laughs> lightsaber battle, even though it was two seconds. Though I'm going to ruin it for you. Just imagine that scene with Daffy Duck laughing. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for that. Someone else said that to me one time. It's like, okay, yeah, you just ruined that whole thing. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that, we get to see Yoda in action. But more than, more than that, we get to see the Jedis in action. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the first time, we see a Jedi battle. How incredible is that? And it was a good battle, too. Yeah, it was. I mean, and... Yes, I mean, seeing Sam Jackson mm-hmm. pick yep. up the sword. Yeah. Because we were all anticipating that when we saw him in the that council. Laser sword. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> but no, I mean, we all, of course, wanted to hear him say his classic line, but being Star Wars. Can't quite say that in the Star Wars. Universe. I don't even know if that word exists in the Star Wars universe <laughs> or its many iterations. Just say McClunky. It's McClunky. Yeah. <laughs> it's the lightsaber that says bad McClunky on it. That's a meme right now. Somebody go do that. Uh, I should make that when we're finished. That way I can become infamous on the internet. <laughs> But no, the highlights for me from Attack of the Clones, I mean, you guys have pretty much mentioned all of them. I remember for the first time seeing Attack of the Clones, I was 14 or 15. I went and saw it with my parents. I want to say it was still at the University Mall Theater because I think it was, yeah, this was pre-Ivan, so it was still open. And that moment when Yoda opens his, his coat and pulls out the... His little bitty lightsaber. I'm just like, what are we about to see? And then he ignites it. And I'm like, how is he going to fight? And then he fights. And I was like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, you know, just his entrance. He, you know, he walks in hobbling with the cane. Oh, he just, when he does that, the whole theater just went off. Yeah. <laughs> and then when the battle's over, he just grabs his cane with the force. <laughs> now, now let, let me let me address Yoda for a moment. Okay, attack. I mean, sorry, um, Phantom Menace. We had the young puppet Yoda that looked really dorky. Correct. And then Attack of the Clones, suddenly he's a completely CGI Yoda that now, when you look at it, he looks like a cartoon. I, th- I think the Clone Wars version looks more realistic than he does. So we didn't really get true yoda again until the last jedi right true that's very true and i one of the biggest misses to me of the prequel trilogy from what little he was in it i actually really liked count dooku i did too you know christopher lee's phenomenal actor i think he has one of the coolest looking lightsabers because it has that kind of arc and he has that type of you know Mm -hmm. fencing like gentleman's fencing style and you just next thing you know in revenge of the sith he's gone well, that's well, that's one of those in characters. an epic way. <laughs> in an epic way, yes. But you know, and I think I just I, I was at the bookstore the other day, and there is a new book that is about Dooku. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's called Fallen Jedi or something like that. Okay, uh, and it's basically 
you know, his training and what caused him to fall to the dark side. My only hmm. problem is his name, Dooku, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, I was, before I saw the, the movie, I was like, is it Dooku, Doku, you know, how Doo-doo. are they? <laughs> because Doo-doo. he's also, I mean, it's he's Count Dooku, but he's Darth Tyrannus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's a pretty cool Sith name. Yeah. <laughs> And, but my question, and maybe this is uh, explained by the Clone Wars or some of the extended universe, um, but if there is only two, you know, a master and a and a um, apprentice. apprentice, and Sidious had um, Darth Maul as an apprentice, where did Tyrannus come in? When did he come in? Because, I mean, he's an old man. It's not yeah. like he's, I mean, shouldn't he be a Sith Lord at this point? Uh, I yeah. don't know. So uh, that that whole kind of relationship there was a little bit odd, and I didn't quite follow it. But Well, you know, that's, <laughs> I'm well, sure. He, he almost felt like a placeholder in a way <laughs> before we get Vader. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Vader, we have to talk about what we thought was going to be the last movie of the entire franchise, Revenge of the Sith. Does that movie exist? I mean, mean, technically. I recognize it. (laughs) That's one movie that I can never remember. For some reason, it's like when I try to think about it, like there's snippets that come to mind, but every other movie I can remember in fine detail, but that one just, I have... A Jedi mind trick being played on me. Where really? I don't remember? Did the someone film. try to sell you death sticks? <clears throat> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny you say that because if anything, that's that's the movie in that entire trilogy that should be the most memorable because it it's be. when Anakin turns to the dark side. Mm-hmm. He becomes Vader. He gets the suit. The twins are born. Yoda and Obi Wan. Like all these things happen to set up the original trilogy. So I just find it oh, so and funny. And he kills all the younglings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That scene made me mad. That, I think that turned me off for the movie more than anything. Really? Just Yeah. Just the, the idea that he's killing little children. Uh, it just... I, yeah, mean, it, I, it I was understand un, it was what they character-wise, but it just... It, it really left a sour taste in my mouth. It was a bit much. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you just could have cut that out entirely. Like, yeah. you didn't really need to show it. So, with Revenge of the Sith, I was, how old was I? It was 2005. I was a freshman in college, and I remember seeing it opening day. I, I missed out on the midnight screening. My first midnight screening which a, was a much worse film than <laughs> Spider-Man 3, but that's a story for another <laughs> podcast. But um, I remember seeing it opening day, and that was the first Star Wars film that I saw people you know, dress up in costume and most everyone was wearing Star Wars t-shirts. They all had, not everyone, but a lot of people had lightsabers. I remember this kid sitting two rows in front of me had the Darth Vader mask, helmet, and the chest plate. <laughs> and he would hit the buttons and it would make the... Oh, oh, I'm, like, I'm thinking, please don't do this during the movie. Please, for everything that is good in this world, please... Do not do this during the movie. And thankfully, he didn't do it during the movie, so uh, he, he, he was good. Costume that would not be allowed in the movie theater now. Nope. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I was... Revenge of the Sith was okay, but I was kind of disappointed in it from a story sense. And I'll say that because they threw in General Grievous, asthma and all, 
you see the end of the Clone War, which I thought was cool. Yeah. But I felt like as George Lucas was writing the story, he was like, oh, crap, I've got to put all this stuff in. And they just cram everything in in the back of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like to me, the Anakin turn happens almost kind of suddenly in a way like they built up to it a little bit. But I felt like there could have been just more with him. It should have felt like a bigger deal when he actually turned. And to me, it didn't. Especially going back and watching it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because, you know, Attack of the Clones, we don't really see the clones attack. (laughs) But but we see the beginning of the Clone War. Mm -hmm. And then in Return, uh, um, Revenge Revenge of the the Sith, Sith, we see the end of the Clone War. So it's like, oh, okay. So you just skipped over the thing that we've been waiting for 20 years to see. Um, But yeah, I mean, it. I, I wasn't opposed to um, Anakin's turn. Um, you know, I mean, when you're following him through three movies, it's too bad that they didn't set up more of his embracing the dark side in The Phantom Menace. Yeah. I think, I, and again, I understand where George Lucas was coming from with that. Well, let's make a kid's movie. But the thing is, no, you're not necessarily making a kid's movie. I mean, you are, but you're you're trying to tell a story with these three films. And well, it's, it's sad that he didn't give us a likable enough character to yeah. make it hurt when he turns. Yeah, well, that, that's a good point. I, I, I think it was more uh, the dialogue than it was actually Hayden Christensen. I, I think both Hayden Christensen and um, whatever the kid's name was. Um, Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd, thank you. Uh, I think both of them were fine, yeah. but yeah, they weren't given the right material. I think I think Th- Phantom Menace should have been Jake Lloyd as young Annie for the first half and then maybe, you know, through some montage, age him and get him to the point where, you know, he was what we saw in episode two early. So if you speed that up, maybe cut the love story in half, yeah. uh, then by the time he turns, we would have had a little bit more time with Hayden to, okay, you know. Yeah. Or give the love story some meat to it instead of just, oh, we're fawning over each other and playing on in the grass with those CGI creatures, whatever. <laughs> when I'm with you. I can't breathe. Yeah. It just, I mean, it was so bad where you look at Han and Leia's love story and you can tell that there's sparks there. There's chemistry and they fall in love because of the experiences that they're, they're sharing. Yeah. Not because just some, well, we have to have them in love. So let's write them in love. Okay. And it just felt honestly, You know, I really feel like The Phantom Menace is the one movie that just doesn't really fit anywhere. It doesn't really have much to do with anything. I really do think that Attack of the Clones should have been the first movie. Like, they should have found Anakin already as uh, a teenager, like an older teenager. A lot like, uh, you know, to parallel Luke's story a little bit. Yeah. And then we should have had another movie about the Clone Wars where we get to know him and Obi-Wan's friendship, you know, and, and really get to, to fall in love with Anakin as a character. And that right. way, by the time we get to revenge of the Sith, you know, that it would have, like you said, Steve, it, you should have shown him 
kind of flirting with the dark side a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and even and, even as a nine-year-old, yeah. they could have done that. Yeah. You know, they could have shown some dark elements there, not evil, but something where it's like, okay, he's not just this goody two-shoes. There's something, you know, well, that, that is, he has... He's being drawn to the dark Are side. We, I mean, we all just glossed over the fact that he did destroy the big, you know, ship at the end of uh, Phantom Menace. An accident. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a mass Gosh. murderer at the age of nine. <laughs> <laughs> what do these do? Oh, yippee. Well, and Obi-Wan even says it in Phantom Menace to Qui-Gon that the boy is dangerous. Yeah, but, but we, we don't, don't see, see that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Show, don't tell. Well, and that and that's my point with Anakin through the entire trilogy is that by the time he turns, we don't feel bad. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of waiting for like, okay, is this going to be when it happens? No, maybe it's going to be a little bit later. Okay, now he's evil. And then... And we how- know that because his eyes are yellow. <laughs> but, you know, and then, of course, I, I have to drop this in there. That was the first appearance of the 501st Legion on screen. Oh, was it? Yes, the 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 battalion that uh, follows him into the temple to commit the youngling side. That is the five hundred first legion. Really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yep. So, uh, you know, that's that's when Lucas, you know, made us canon. Cool. And uh, that's great. Yeah, and it and it continued from there. But just, I mean, obviously that happened before I joined, but. We had been around the the Legion had been around since 1997, mm-hmm. and the first unofficial official appearance from the Legion was in the uh, special editions screenings, uh, where our founder uh, showed up in his stormtrooper outfit, and it just you know blossomed from there. But uh, that one, I mean, yeah, you hate it because of what it stands for, mm-hmm. but visually. You know. Oh, visually, it's it's a cool scene. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I mean, him walking in. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. But I have no problem with Lucas's visuals whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. but you no, know, that that just that was one of the ones that. Stu- I mean, I kind of cringe every time uh, I watch the movie and we get to that scene where Emperor Palpatine gets his wrinkles. The very yeah. first time. Yeah. Another thing they have Where to he just melt. <laughs> yeah. Another thing they just have to throw in because oh, it has to match the yeah. original trilogy. So and all he, at once, and he has to start with the you know he he gets his voice no, deeper. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and to me, he looks he because remi- he's wearing that ugly purple gown, and I'm like, he looks like a California raisin to me at that point. <laughs> and then you know it's like he just he's. Along with Anakin, they just send Mace flying across the city. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> I can't unsee that now. You know what? Attack of the Clones is my least favorite of the movies anyway, so now I really have no reason to watch it. <laughs> no, but th- that, that one part... Of- Really gets me because I'm like, that's when they really kind of, all right, he's really forcing that to happen, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because I already assumed that when he would, you know, when he's as the hologram Darth Sidious, you know, that's his true shape, you know, so uh, just by a little force lightning here just drops the whole charade 
and this yeah. is what he really looks like. So, yeah, I hmm. thought that was kind of dumb. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, well, that was kind of an un- un- unceremonious exit for uh, Mace Windu. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, that is not how a Jedi wants to go out. Really. Unless you buy the awesome fan theory that Mace Windu is actually Snoke, which I'm just like, come on. <laughs> really? I thought Jar Jar was Snoke. Oh, and that, and hey, that Jar, Jar Jar did about. cause the fall of the, the entire he galaxy, did. though. He, he gave yes. Palpatine the emergency powers. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, when but, Palpatine but, screams, like his delivery of unlimited. Power! That part just—I could just like—it feels like a giant ham. Drops <laughs> yeah. And then there was there was something else I read recently. Uh, they were talking about lightsaber battles mm-hmm. in the prequels, and uh, I think it was the it was the stunt coordinator who had been uh, responsible for all of the the major battles in the prequels. And he said that they had actually choreographed a huge lightsaber battle on uh, Genosis with, with Ewan. And he had practiced for months and he was going to battle all of Grievous's, you know, henchmen. Mm -hmm. And on the day that they were going to shoot it, George goes, you know, we're kind of running behind schedule. It's not necessary. So that's when they drop a rock on all of the henchmen. So they pulled a you know a Cairo swordsman situation again, where all of this was elaborately you know waiting to happen. Eh, let's just drop a rock on them. So I'm like, well, that would have been cool, but yeah, I yeah, yeah, it's that's unfortunate. But with. With Revenge of, uh, I, I gotta see, I gotta make sure I say it right because I keep wanting to say Revenge of the Jedi too, right? <laughs> Which was the original title, right? But with Revenge of the Sith, outside of the forced turn, you know, it kind of makes you want to. When when uh, Palpatine is talking about Darth Plagueis, and we see that meme everywhere now. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard the tape? You know? And I still want to hear the tale, and and I keep. There's another rumor that uh, Plagueis might show up in the last and Rise of Sky. I'm like, yeah. he's not going to show up, you know. He's dead, <laughs> just like we thought the Emperor was. True, but uh, you know, and I'm not even going to go into it right now. But um, Revenge of the Sith, the way they brought in. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> I don't know you anymore. Oh, poor okay. Natalie Portman. You know, she had nothing to do in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. pregnant. Uh. She you was know. there to give birth to Luke and Leia. And then right. die. <laughs> yeah. That's she's, about she, it. She's lost the will to, to live. live. <laughs> she's Wait, which, dying. Which, I forgot where I read it, but someone made the point that Vader was just choking her. You know, so maybe he actually did kill her. It just took a little longer for it to, mm. to ha- you know, maybe he did irreparable damage. It wasn't just, oh, I lost the will and she just died. Well, maybe there was some physical reasons for you it. Know, and, and then you get to it. Okay, they're on a, but, a <laughs> volcano planet, Mustafar. There's volcanic ash everywhere. I'm sure it wasn't easy to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wish somebody would have like, taken a medical book to, to George Lucas and be like, have you ever read one of these? <laughs> Well, that the, can't happen. The, the problem is that it just it was so melodramatic without actually being dramatic. 
Yeah. And it didn't feel realistic. At right. All. Right. I mean, again, great visuals, great setup for another semi epic lightsaber battle. Um, and then, of course, you've got a, you know, the high ground situation. <laughs> you got to cut off. Okay, which arms do we have to cut off? Which, you know. Which, which by the way, did you notice uh, in the. Uh, most recent episode of the Mandalorian or episode five, I guess it was yeah. um, that they use the high ground lines. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. I, I saw a meme where somebody put Hayden's face over <laughs> the other bounty hunter. <laughs> I was like, he's a high ground. <laughs> you know, the fact that they drop little nuggets in, in that show so far are just beyond uh, fanboys. You know, th- th- that's the way to do fan service. Yes, you know, to where it's it's worked into the story as a plot element, and but it's a little fun Easter egg that's like, oh, I get that yeah. reference, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it, again, with, with Revenge of the Sith, the how they ended that movie, you know, we could see it coming a mile away. You got to give Leia to you know Bail Organa, you got to give Luke to the Lars. Okay, you know, and, and when that when that showed up the first time, I was like, okay, credits are going to drop any second now. Mm-hmm. But of course, you have to go do the dual sunset standing over. Mm-hmm. And okay, it was Obi Wan riding off on a camel, and <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, but that actually on that soundtrack, it's like uh, fourteen or fifteen minutes long. And they added a little bit of uh, some of the throne room music from New Hope. But I was like, I could listen to that piece of music over and over again. Uh, just because I love the the somber notes that Williams plays over the twin sunset. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was, if that had been the last movie of Star Wars that we got with the Skywalkers, I was like, okay, there are <laughs> some pieces... Again, that I can do without. It, it was underwhelming. But, yeah. And, you know, when Return of the Jedi came out, um, I actually was, the, they were in the habit back then of releasing the novelization before the movie came out. Yes. And so I had read most of the book before I saw the movie. So a lot of stuff was spoiled for me. And, um, but, it, you know, of course, I still enjoyed the film. But, one of the cool things about the book was Yoda actually, I believe, or maybe it was the ghost of Obi-Wan tells Luke the story. Yep. And so there's like pages and pages uh, describing that battle over the lava pit, you know, between Anakin and and Obi-Wan. And since I was 15 years old reading that for the first time, I wanted to see that on screen. Mm-hmm. And when it finally was building up to that point, it's like, and they kept it true to fairly true to, I mean, it, there's obvious differences, but right. um, my biggest problem with that scene was a, it looks like a video game cutscene, and two, it was just way overblown. I mean, it was a cool scene, but it kind of went into the realm of unbelievable as far as just, you know, they're, they're on whatever the float sand was in the, yeah. uh, in, in the lava. Like if you're that close to 
lava, you'd be on fire. (laughs) (laughs) As Anakin found out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And and another thing, uh, with the the Order 66 situation, Mm -hmm. don't you feel like they're kind of ever so slowly retconning all that? Because the Order was to kill all the Jedi. Mm -hmm. And so we assume, okay, Obi-Wan is the last Mm -hmm. remaining one. Then Rebels shows up. Wait, here's another one. And with the uh, new video game that's out now. Fallen Order. Yeah, there's another one. Yep. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, how many secret Jedi are, you know, because that was another big thing. Much like, okay, we never saw the attack of the actual, you know, clone army. But if you're going to, Eliminate. I mean, I thought they executed those scenes pretty cool. I mean, mm-hmm. all of the, okay, the clones get the order. They turn on the Jedi that's commanding mm-hmm. them. And I kept hoping that one or two would make it out. But, you know, they, they, they eliminated everybody. And, you know, of course, Yoda and Obi-Wan are the last remaining ones. Yoda goes into exile yeah, and, and I think there was a deleted scene where he even uh, communicates with. Uh, he was supposed to communicate with Qui Gon. Yep. Yeah. And to learn how to retain his consciousness right. after death. Right. So uh, we would get the the genesis of why Force ghosts actually exist, which they explain in the Clone Wars. Right. But you know, it would have been great to see that. I mean, you know, they say, "Oh, you know, you hear." Um, Qui-Gon screaming when Anakin slaughters the Tusken yeah. Raiders or, you know, how they say, oh, he was there. You just have to listen for him. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that stuff. Uh, so, again, you know, it, it was one of those films where, okay, if you cookie cutter all the pieces, the bad pieces out, it was still, okay, <laughs> if this was the last Star Wars movie we're going to get... I can live with it. Yeah. But, you know, thankfully. Fortunately, that wasn't the case. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm still I'm still waiting for the special editions of the prequel trilogy. Well, we're, in we're a way, those are already everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> Lucas keeps, rec- you know, retconning them or re- revising them, redoing them. I mean, how many different versions have been released on, on home and, video? And I, I mean, I know he's tinkered with Yoda and Phantom Menace once or twice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, you know, and that was another thing, too, that, you know, the first time in the prequels that we hear the Imperial March, Darth Vader's theme, is at the end of uh, episode two, when all the clones are marching onto the, the ships. I remember hearing a story a while back that they were actually going to take the Imperial March and put it into A New Hope. I'm like, because you hear it in the prequel movies... Um, you hear it in Empire and Jedi, yeah. but you never hear it in A New Hope. So I was like, if that's got to be eaten away at Lucas, why hasn't he put that theme in in A New Hope? But then again, I'm like, okay, that won Williams an Oscar, so why touch it? Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> that's something that Lucas should have you know listened to you know good Lucas instead of bad Lucas on his shoulder, but. Well, if he ever hears this, he might go back and do it. <laughs> yeah, and I thought about that. Would would it make the movie feel 
any different. I think putting it in is unnecessary. I think the, so. Too. The score's great. Don't touch it. Yeah. You don't touch John Williams' work. <laughs> And that's where part two of our Star Wars discussion will end. Be sure to come back tomorrow for the third and final portion of our Star Wars discussion as we discuss the Disney era of the Star Wars franchise that includes The Force Awakens, Rogue One, Solo, The Mandalorian, and of course, The Last Jedi. Don't forget, if you want to check out past episodes of the show, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. Thank you, as always, to the Unicorn Wranglers for providing the theme music for the podcast. Their songs Late Night drive Through" and Light and Jazzy can be found on their album Greetings from the Space Van, which you can find on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you once again to Steve, Jason, and Jonathan. And be sure to come back tomorrow for part three as we conclude our discussion of Star Wars. You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life.